0: Last week we
1: finished up the Kyrie and moved into the uh, Gloria and Excelsis in our walk through the liturgy. We saw that uh, the pastor begins with Luke 2, Glory be to God on high and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Uh, There is the response of the people. Uh, the glory is an attribute of God, and so we praise God in his truth. He promised to send us the Savior, and uh, now with the angels announcing to the shepherds uh, the glory of God has come true. The, uh, one who is to be the male child that would crush the head of a serpent is here. He is going to bring, uh, as uh, this... Glory is already in heaven, so now we pray that on earth we might receive the peace that passes understanding. God's wrath is turned away. This is the objective peace that He has worked one for us, and so we see God's goodwill toward all of us. This is His welcoming, you might say, message, uh, desiring that we would believe in His Son. The Gloria. Uh, One of the greatest hymns of praise is a Trinitarian uh, with the Father, God the Father, uh, the Son, uh, with the Holy Ghost at the bottom. Uh, And then right in the middle uh, includes the message of John the Baptist, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We ask him for mercy. We ask him to receive our prayer. And the one who sits at the right hand is the one who is giving out all of the uh, blessings.
0: I think, I think it's important for us to remember that these are all basically statements of fact. It's what's going on. It, 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 these are not things we wish for. They're things we already have.
1: We looked at the salutation, "The Lord be with you," and with, and, with and with your spirit. We called it the little ordination. It is an acknowledgment at each point in the liturgy when something new is going on. Um, uh, the pastor comes saying, uh, "Here, the blessings of God," and we say to him, "Yep, you've been given the uh, uh, spirit in your ordination." Uh, As Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit for the purpose of preaching and teaching and and praying. And so uh, uh, this salutation here begins the collect and then the uh, readings. We're going to see it happens again in the service of Lord's Supper as well, right before the uh, preface, sometimes at the end uh, with the benediction as well. Uh, We moved into the collect last time. What was this collect? Well, the collect collects all of the theme of of each service. So we said that there are ordinaries, the glory happens every Sunday, there are propers, the things that change. The readings change, the collect, which is summarizing the readings, it changes, the introit and the... Uh, gradual, which are psalms, they also change and they go back and and also are intended (coughs) to uh, put in our lips songs that go with that theme for the day. We even said that there are times in which the introit, the very first words of the introit, the antiphon, they actually are the title for the, uh, Latin title for the Sunday, uh, because they all go together. All right. Uh, when we come together, uh, we come to ask God for things. There's only, there's only two ways to look at this. Uh, if we're going to talk about a divine service, it can either be my service to the divine, to God, or it can be God's service, the divine service, to me. Well, God is coming, and through his word, and through his sacrament, and through his preaching, he is serving me. What do I do? Well, I receive what he has said, what he has taught us, and then I ask. Uh, the prayer is my response to what uh, God has said to me. I want to give you these gifts, Lord. Yes. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, we ask him for. This collect is, he would say, put together by the church. It's stuck right before the readings so that we might have it in mind just like an antiphon goes before the psalm and after and kind of lets us what are we thinking about? Ah, this is what we're thinking about. I showed you that there is a structure to the colics all the colics in the church not just the ones that are are set up for the the service. Uh, This particular uh, book Goes through and talks about five parts. They put the invocation, the antecedent reason, C, the petition, uh, D, the benefit desired, and uh, C, the doxology. And then it kind of put it together. Um, I have always kind of simplified it a bit. Uh, There's three things. Who are we talking to? The address. What are we asking for? And then finally, this ending, um, it, it's its no different from a uh, letter. Dear Susie, here is the uh, things that I'm saying to her, and at the very end I go, sincerely, Michael Henson. Um, this address, O oh Lord God, uh, give me my daily food, Uh, amen, or through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. That's the termination. That's the the ending. We know that I'm I'm done uh, with it. There are two parts that kind of go with it. I have an address who I am talking to and then we go, well, what's the rationale? Why am I talking to God about this? Um, which takes us back to the word. He has given us a word. And therefore we know that we can ask him for that. Often this will be a biblical citation. This will be kind of the reasoning that, that you are asking him for that. And it, and it might change the way we, we address uh, God. We'll go on in it we'll ask God, we'll petition, we'll beg him for things, and sometimes we ask, tell him why we want this particular benefit. Uh, why, why, why am I asking? Because it will benefit in this way. Luther uh, explains to us the Amen that has become quite common. It's a Hebrew phrase, which means I believe it, or yes, yes, it shall be so. If our prayers are based on the Word of God, we know that we can confidently say, Amen. That is, I believe that God has heard my prayer and that he will provide uh, as we have asked based upon the word of God. So those are uh, the three parts. Let's give an example. If we are uh, going to have a prayer for marriage, um addressed who are we going to pray to obviously we could pray to uh, our heavenly father lord god uh, um, oh jesus christ sure of course but we we might get a little more specific we might pull out a a title or or an explanation um I might say, Oh God who created all things. Now why would I want to be talking about the Oh God who created all things? Why would I want to be talking about the creator if I'm going to be asking something about marriage? He
0: created
1: created man and woman. And in the very Garden of Eden, he instituted marriage. Okay. So, if I'm going to pray to him about marriage stuff, here's the one who set it all up. That would be a very good rationale why I would, uh, I would say to him. What if I wanted to say something like, uh, in our prayer for marriage, uh, <clears throat> Oh Jesus, who went to the wedding at Cana, What does that tell us?
0: Might be low on wine. What does that tell us? Jesus very
1: He, Jesus, who, who had a three-year ministry, one of the first things that he does, where he does this miracle, he goes to a wedding. This is not something that Jesus cares, oh, I don't care about wedding, yeah, you know, I'm too busy, you know, we all ought to be going to church. No, he goes to a wedding, he goes to the reception, and he provides, makes sure that they rejoice over it by turning the water into wine. So, often in connection with these, you will include, you'll you'll note that the prayer, already before we begin it, you kind of go, yeah, I know where we're going. I know where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what, what if I, I prayed, you know, uh, um, oh, oh, Lord Jesus, who raised the boy in Name, raised the little boy in the city of Name. Well, oh, you'd be at a funeral, not a funeral. Uh, you're kind of going, oh, this, this must, <laughs> must be a resurrection a kind of prayer. prayer. This okay. must be a funeral. This must be a cop, something about the resurrection. Um, and so you, you, can, you can see that. This isn't something that um, is, is fancy, it's not something that's poetic, it's not whatever. It's just we base our prayers upon who God is and what He has done. Then we ask Him, right? Uh, um, give us the hope, oh, oh Jesus who raised the little boy at Nain, uh, give us the hope of the resurrection. Okay. Uh, does God promise to give us hope does he want to give us yeah, so I'm, I'm praying for something that's there we might put the benefit on there I didn't really say it um give us the hope of the resurrection that we may not uh, um weep uh as the world does you Now, well, of course we're going to cry of course there's something to but but we've got a hope and and that should help us in the midst of this um Oh, Jesus, who went to the, uh, uh, wedding at Canaan, uh, bless our, uh, bless this marriage, you know, with, with, with joy. Why? Well, what would be the benefit of that? A happy marriage. What now? A happy marriage. A happy marriage? Um, would that be, does God care about
0: that? Yes. No, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I
1: think of um, God giving Eve to Adam and said, it's not good for a man to be alone. So, of course, joy in a marriage is a good thing. Yes. God's not trying, you know. Uh, um, he didn't say, boy, I got this idea. you. We're going to put two sinners in a room and a them in there. <laughs> so I, it's going to be lots of fun, you know. No. Uh, um, he desires to, what? They're going to take care of each other. They're going to take care of the uh, Garden of Eden. They're going to take care of their vocation, which is going to include the uh, children and the raising of children. Uh, it's going to be so that they can bless um, the the church. Uh, you know, the, just as society is built upon the, the, the family, so even the church. Uh, as that, hey, <clears> this <throat> is what's going on. Um, then again, the terminology, the amen. So uh, those are the uh, the parts that we. That we have kind of one two three sometimes one and two that go with it uh i gave you homework all right you've got on your uh you've got on your stapled sheet Uh, the parts of the colic uh, that has for Trinity 13, 14, 15. This Sunday is actually Trinity 16. Uh, I did put uh, uh, the colic brass Wednesday after that. You do have some uh, pens that are uh, there on the table. So, let me move this over just a little bit. If we're gonna do this, right. Now you do. Uh, oh. all right. Trinity thirteen, a couple Sundays back. It was from Luke ten. Jesus is uh, coming to the disciples. He says that uh, all the prophets and kings have longed to see me, uh, me come to to them, uh, and. Uh, they didn't get to see it, but now the prop, the apostles, their eyes and ears are blessed. And then a teacher shows up and says, uh, teacher, what do I got to do? So rather than embrace Jesus as the promised savior, he's going to test Jesus. Uh, and rather than receive Jesus in his gospel, all that he's done, he thinks it's about doing something. And so Jesus gives him the law. You've got to love God, not just a little, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, to which we all ought to go, I can't do it. Uh, the rich young man says, oh, yeah, I got that down. No problem with that. Uh, you also got to love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy goes, ah, <coughs> oh, yeah, I, can you like tell me who the neighbor is? Because I'm pretty sure I yeah, there may be some people I haven't quite been loving to. Uh, Jesus gives us the Samaritan uh, story. Uh, the epistle that kind of goes with it, uh, we're going to see, talks about uh, the promised seed, Jesus who was to come. Uh, you can't undo a uh A testament, a a last will and testament. When Jesus comes, here's what he's giving. Let's go to our prayer. Um, Where is that? There it is. Trinity 13. Um, (coughs) Trinity 13. Who are we talking to? Almighty and everlasting God. That's who we're talking to. That's who we're addressing. Uh, the one who is almighty and the one who has been from the beginning even to the end. What are we going to ask for? Give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity. What's charity? Love. So what do we have in the text? You need to love God, you need to love your neighbor. What did we realize? Already the collect is letting us know where does this love come from? God, because don't do that ourselves. It's gotta come from God, we're asking him. And the normal way that he does it, it always works in this way. You can have love without faith. And once you have faith in Christ, it gives you the hope of eternal life, and now you can give of yourself and return charity or love. The colleagues are already letting us know. Um uh even before we get to us, we need more love. And then we get to the reading and kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's not all. This one uh, uh, then goes to talk about what's the benefit that we may obtain that which thou dost promise. What does God promise? To do what we're asking for. You know. Faith, hope, and Faith, open love. Faith, hope, and love. Um, that's what he's promised us. Um, and so, like this <laughs> prophets and kings, he had promised, I'm coming to bring you salvation. Um, great. Next thing, make us to love that which thou dost command. Oh, God actually does command in this. Text. He commands us to love God and love our neighbor. Guess what? We, we, uh, um, now, not only do you need to give this to us, but make us to love the commandments. Ah, help me so that I want to love God. And I want to love my neighbor. <laughs> and then there is the conclusion. It is the normal longer one through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, Love in the reign of the King, the Holy Ghost, over one God, world without end. Um, that's Trinity 13. Trinity 14. Trinity 14 was the 10 lepers. They come to Jesus, they cry out, they ask for mercy. How many does he heal?
0: All 10. 10. 10. How many come back?
1: Only one comes back. Uh, And he goes on to say, arise, uh, your faith has made you well. The Galatians text talks about walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. You don't do these things. Um, uh, those are works of the flesh but instead we ask that the Lord would give us those fruits of the spirit let's go back to our prayer Trinity 14 first of all the prayer is keep us keep we beseech thee oh, and look at this that the address who we're talking to kind of waited for a little bit um it's, it's not a cookie cutter kind of thing where you're just bing, 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 bing. You don't know, no. Keep we us. oh Lord, that's who we're talking to. But we're asking Him to keep thy church, keep your church with your perpetual mercy, with this mercy. Um, that's what we're asking God to do. Um, what's the mercy? Well, we had the ten lepers crying out for mercy. Nine got it, but then they left it. We're saying keep us in that mercy. Um, why are we praying to the Lord? Well, we got a rationale. That we know why He needs to keep the church in it, because the frailty of man without Thee cannot but fall. Oh, so what do we learn? Even after you get put in the church, By God's mercy, you still cannot stand. You still can't. You you can't say, well, now I, I got it. You know, I heard one the the uh. uh this preacher one time, and he said, "Well, you know, now that God's got you in the church, you got to hold on with two strong hands. You got to hold on with faith and works. You're in a world of trouble. You're in a world of trouble. We know the frailty of man. Uh, uh, we would fall away, so we're asking keep us in this. Um, ah." Keep us ever by thy help from all things hurtful and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Sometimes there's two parts or two things that we ask for. So keep your church in mercy and keep us um, that, that we won't be led away. Oh, what about healing a leprosy? Um, you know, I, I Don't let these things, even good things, be, be hurtful.
0: Fifteen. That one actually had the whole doxology.
1: <coughs> Which one did? The last? Well,
0: both of them did actually, didn't they? They both.
1: Mm. Yeah, most of the ones do.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, better in the colic of the day kind of, oh. kind of thing. Uh, uh, Fifteen. Last Sunday. Uh, Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters. You're going to love one or hate the other. And then he's going to tell us, look at the birds. God takes care of them. Look at the... Uh, uh, flowers of the field. Uh, Don't worry. You don't need to worry. It doesn't help. It doesn't add. Uh, But the, the don't worry is not just a do this. He's given us faith. He's given us all the reasons why we need not worry. And when it gets to that, then you can seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and God takes care of everything else. Uh, the Galatians text about living in the spirit and walking in the spirit keeps going on. And it talks about how if we're going to walk in the spirit, we should not do anything in which we think we're something or mock God, but continue in, in the word. Trinity 15. Oh, Lord, here's who we're talking about. Um, uh, it has the prayer the petition, but the O Lord part goes on because it, referring to your church, cannot continue in safety without thy succor, without thy help. What do we ask? We beseech thee, let thy continual pity cleanse and defend thy church. So we're talking about cleansing? Um, you're never quite done with cleansing, there's always going to be a, a, a continual cleansing. Uh, God also has to defend us, uh, lest worry, lest these things take us away from his church, um, and preserve that church evermore by thy help and goodness, so that we have a place to receive the righteousness of God, to seek that, that as he is giving it to us, um, and know that it is by God's help and goodness We saw the goodness. He takes care of the birds. Of course he's going to take care of you. He takes care of the flowers. Of course he's going to take care of you. Look at all that he has done for you. And so we kind of see how it it pulls together. It it collects it. 16 is for today. Uh, Today we have Jesus going into the city of Nain. He's taking a little boy. Uh, who is being carried out, uh, his uh, mother, that's his own, her only child, her only son, and her husband's already been carried out, and he has died, she is a widow, and so he comes to her and says, do not weep, he also uh, uh, raises him from the dead, uh, this is complete, That there is nothing uh, that goes, before. she didn't ask him, we, we don't know any, it's just Jesus walks upon this, and the only the only thing that we see in this is Jesus looks at it and has compassion Um, uh, his compassion and he provides the response of the people is that this is the great prophet who has come and this is God who has come to uh, help his people and the message goes out 16 Um, this one only It doesn't have a rationale, it doesn't have a benefit kind of thing that goes with it. It's a little bit, um, oh, I didn't give you the, uh, the epistle. Um, the epistle is from Ephesians chapter 3. And this is where Paul is telling them, I have suffered on your behalf, but, but don't lose heart. Don't lose heart when you see the, the trouble that I am going with. And then he t- goes on to talk about how uh, you need to direct your attention to the love of God, that he may dwell in you, that you may be strengthened, uh, all according to his riches. Um, you may not know all this, but you've got that which passes the knowledge. Uh, uh, passes the knowledge, and you are filled with, with all that God is doing. All right, now to the uh, uh, prayer itself. Lord, we pray thee that thy... Grace. What's grace? Undeserved love. Something for nothing. Something for nothing, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Undeserved love. Something for nothing. This is what we see when Jesus comes. He, just out of, you know, his own compassion and mercy, may always go before and follow after us. Go before and follow out. I mean this is kind of a defense, this is someone, and, 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 and also it shows us that before there can be forgiveness, salvation, God has to come with his grace, and once we have come into his church and his, his grace has to follow out. His he's the one who keeps us in, he's the one that brings us in. He does it, that it may always go before and follow after us. What happened with the, uh, the story? Uh, the death parade is going out. It's a funeral. We're going out of the city. Jesus comes with the life parade, and he is going into the city. Usually, who wins, death or life? To death. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, give it enough time, we all die. Yep, usually death wins. Same thing with clean and unclean. If death, you know, you touch a dead body, you become unclean. It always goes that way. Not this time. This time the life parade wins. This time Jesus touches the coffin, and instead of him becoming unclean, the little boy comes back to life. Um, What's going on? What goes before is Jesus... And afterwards, it says, they all rejoice in what God has done, and they speak out the word. Um, it, 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 you got to have God at the beginning, God at the end. Everything that goes with it. <clears throat> Paul is letting them know that in the midst of all of this uh, thing, that we might continually be given to all good works. That's what Paul's doing. He says, well, of course I'm suffering. But, you know, uh, it, it turned you Ephesians into a church. Um, I'm rejoicing in this. Keep at it don't don't stop so that's kind of the cock. that's the way it, it it presents itself um i will tell you that uh, I, I, again you you almost have to teach yourself to think this way and then you listen that way um i would say it's not much different there are times uh that i pray the lord's prayer we pray the lord i pray the lord's prayer several times a day um and, and occasionally, I'll go, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, I will be... Thy be. Will be. I, I'll, I, I make myself go, that's the first petition, that's the second petition, that's the third petition. You, you Otherwise, yeah, I get it. Sometimes your mind wanders, and we, we get to the end, we kind of go, well, I just said it, but I wouldn't think it. Um, start considering start thinking as well there's a reason why I think someone said it last time in our family daily prayers as well as in the Lutheran Herald uh, uh, we pray these prayers that we might get used to them Um, at first you kind of go well what was that prayer but by the fourth day you go hey I'm starting to notice something here with that so that's 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 what it does um
0: I I think it's interesting that most of those colleagues have something like make in us it's nothing about help us help us to think this way it's God change our minds it's like when we become new people it's, it's a passive thing the Lord does that for us He gave us faith, brought us from death to life, makes us new people. And in reality, we don't really have anything that we can claim that I've done. Because God has done all of these things for us, and he (laughs) keeps on doing it right to the end. And he, without any without any help on our part, he takes us into eternal life. Mary, uh, in the Herald, um, I find myself now reading those prayers differently, and when they repeat, I I like to underline things that I need to really take into my brain and my heart, and when they repeat. And I go back a couple of days, I notice that I have underlined different things. So I'm seeing a different facet of, of the prayer, which is, this is really helpful.
1: So this blue sheet, I've been going, and, and I'll pick it up again as we kind of move on to the next section. You might remember, it says so much scripture, so little time. It has uh, Bible passages that go with each section. So I've gone ahead and printed those out. You see them on your white sheet. You have the new one. We're going to start taking a look at the scripture readings, the liturgical lessons that go with it. But just to give you the big picture once again, so many people say, oh, that liturgy is so boring. That, 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 you know, oh, you got that, lit. oh, those, lit- uh, yeah, I don't like that literature. Um, we, we've been seeing the scriptures that are there. Well, in the same way, you know, um, okay, so we got the reading about the ten lepers. Yeah, I've heard that. Got that. Done. Uh, yeah, I know. Nine didn't come back. Hmm. can, can. Can't we go on? What do we find particularly that the colics do that really turn this, it's boring, too much?
0: It applies it to us. It does what? It applies it to us.
1: So why did it seem so boring?
0: (laughs) because I don't know boring. maybe I'm bored. <laughs> 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 the, the th- often done. times <laughs> if you read them after you've read the, the scripture reading it'll help you to understand what the scripture reading is trying to teach you then you can read it and then go back and it will help you understand what it was about yes give us understanding make it
1: us so mm-hmm. the problem is not the reading no. the problem as you said is I really don't understand it And it takes me a while to understand it. It takes me a while. (laughs) It takes it it, uh, like the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, you go up and you say, "How can I understand unless someone tells me?" Well, so yeah, guess what? God gave you a pastor. He gave you devotions. (laughs) Who pastors right away? He went, "Oh, okay, so this is going to help me." It also takes time where I I, God has given me this (laughs) word, and that's why the church sometimes we sing it. And we sing it again, and sing it again, because there it it, it's teaching. The problem is not that it's too shallow. The problem is it's too deep, and we haven't taken enough time to get into the water and to take it in.
0: I find that combination to be particularly helpful when the gospel reading is about one of the parables. You kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago, and on Wednesday, and then on Sunday. But parables are a little bit hard for us to understand. They're almost nonsensical sometimes. So you have to figure out what the, what the heart of the lesson is about. And particularly with those, the, the actual prayer really tells you what the focus of the parable is about. Right. Because as a kid, I was always like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But I didn't understand them very well. I right. really needed it to Jews, so. Right. So, you know, um,
1: so you build upon rock or you build upon yes, sand. Yeah. You know, you kind of go, okay, so what's the point of this? You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, is, is this about building? Is this about. <laughs> um, and so, yes, yeah, uh, it has to teach us or tell us. Anita, did you have a. Uh, Brian? It seems like each
0: of these have a law and gospel. And depending on what's really going on in my life, guess. I always get smacked in the head of the wall.
1: And then the gospel's right there in the college also. It does. It does seem to do that. I would agree. Um, in other words, it it pulls out the problem, the human problem, and then addresses it because we're asking. So to go back to our divine service, what's going on? Luther said, if you're not here to ask God for something, you know, don't come if you're here to give God stuff. Uh, you know God's got all he needs he doesn't really need it. Um, but if you come here to receive what God's giving out and to ask him for the things that he's given yes uh, alright so those, that, that gets us through the, the parts that gets us through this college of the day uh, the people respond amen um, or with the longer ending Karen you got a question I um, have
0: might have? But I don't remember what it was. Um, <laughs> and
1: it, it might be like what? about what? World Without It. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. I, I did have that question. Um, all right.
0: I remember that.
1: <laughs> um, I was going to, well, to pull both out, but I, I, I didn't do it. So often in determinations, the, uh, the endings. Uh, that that go with that.
0: Um, glory
1: be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This comes from the uh, international text. Um, you might remember that uh, in the oh, uh, 70s, Uh, There was an international commission for English text trying to get everybody together and to update the language. Sometimes that worked all right, sometimes not so well. Um, But that's where... But there used to be a glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Karen goes, wait a minute, I I think I remember this one being kind of, and and that's what our uh, supplement has uh, with the colleagues. This English world without end goes back to Thomas Cranmer's Book of Common Prayer. We're talking about 1549. He spent quite a bit of time with the Lutherans when he went back. Uh, He took with them not only the Lutheran theology, but much of the liturgical stuff. Put that into the book of commentary. There are some times that we then make use of that uh, uh, in, in, uh, in English. Um, but anyway, this is a new rendering. What about that? All right, well, let's look at a couple of the texts. Um, we do have, for example, Isaiah 45, verse 17, quite interesting but Israel shall be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed or disgraced forever and ever. So this kind of, you know, uh, shall be forever or forever and ever. Uh, at the Hebrew you read this way. It becomes a uh, uh, olam uh, uh, to forever. From, from two to forever or, or ever and ever. Uh, the uh, King James had uh, uh, translated that world without end. We see a similar thing in the Greek. With, for example, I got Ephesians 3.21. The King James has world without end. Ephesians 3.21 and the New King James forever and ever. Um, in Greek, uh, to Ionis ton Ionon of age of age ages of ages amen literally it is the ages of ages what is an age initially and in a lot of places kind of older um an age was considered uh the length of a generation um now, you know, we might say, well, 100 years. Well, they didn't live on years. <laughs> no. uh, Um It was probably 30 to 50 years or something like that. It uh, was considered an age. That was a, a, a time frame. And so there was an age and an age. And, and back in the age, back in the day, the age kind of thing. Um, when it, but, but that didn't stay. And, and it didn't necessarily have reference so much to one lifetime, as in a lifetime, a lifetime, a lifetime. It then began to be used for a period of time, whether it was one generation or not. We might talk about the, uh, uh, the age of flight, or we might talk about the age of the, uh, the car, or something like that. I'm just thinking of the saying, that was ages ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ages. Got back. Right. When it (laughs) explains something as ages of ages, you go, well, what, what, what? We're used to that in other places. So there are times in which we talk about Jesus and we say, he is the king of kings. So what's the king of kings? Mm -hmm.
0: The ultimate king. What now? The ultimate king. It's
1: the ultimate king. The ages of ages is the ultimate age. The final great age. Now, we, we keep, you know, we have one age after another. Well, that was a good age. Well, you know, the next age is going to be, you know, that. No, no, no. We're going to the ages of ages. When we talk about that, you can see this kind of idea that there will come a point, a time in which there will be an age in which there is, and you can talk about it time-wise, or you can talk about it maybe spatially, a world that will be without end. Now granted, this heaven and earth is passing away, and God is making a new world that will exist forever. Is it going to be here and this, we don't know how that's going to be. But he lets us know that the present habitation that we are in, which was what God was explaining in Genesis, heaven and earth, is going, there's going to be a new habitation. Sometimes we call it heaven. Sometimes we call it a world without end. Sometimes we call... That's what it's referring to, um, this kind of idea. Uh, uh, the phrase age of ages expresses kind of the idea of eternity, or a kind of indeterminate number of eons, ages that just go on and it, and it never ends. Uh, it's a phrase translating the Greek, um, and I just mentioned that. Um, going back, in the Latin, when we have prayers and at the end, it will talk about in secula secularum. Um, and so we have this similar kind of thing, this kind of ages of ages, or ever and ever, ever and ever goes on. So that's where that, that ending of the, uh, uh, the call it came from. Any questions? Okay.
0: Um. Thank
1: you. You're welcome. We've confessed our sins, received absolution, we've entered into God's house singing the psalms. Uh, We've prayed for the uh, mercy that God gives us in everything that we're going to ask we don't deserve. We realize that everything has come true in the coming of his son, Jesus Christ. We've collected now uh, the prayers that is going to teach us about the word. And now we have reached, you would say, the high point um, of the word itself. Uh, We're going to see as we uh, begin this whether uh, there's going to be readings, there's going to be then the pastor preaching upon the readings. Most pastors in their hubris and love of self are convinced that the high point of the service of the word is my sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. Once you get there... Oh, you, that, that...
0: You can go home <laughs> after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, what we're going to find is that's not the high point of the <laughs> service of the Word. Hmm. What's the high point? The Lord's
0: Lord's what? That's what? Lord's Supper communion. That's the next part. That's the
1: reading of the Word. That's the reading of the Word.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. oh, the reading of the Word. Yeah. of
1: the Word. We're going to have the Word?
0: The The Lord's prayer.
1: Get out your white sheet. Liturgy of the lessons. Let's take a look. Um, in this, this one that has no. So, so much scripture, so little time. Uh, it has a section that's entitled The Lectionary, uh, the Lectionary itself. It's, it's, it's reading. Um, it cites a couple of passages. Acts 15 verse 21, uh, as Paul is preaching and teaching concerning this, he says, For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. you need one, Mary? Yes. What do we find out? There were synagogues. What happened? The Jews went out from Jerusalem. There's only one temple. That's the place where the sacrifices are. That's where the place that God had promised. But as the Jews went out, they said, we need to have a place for the hearing of the word of God. And that's what a synagogue was. It was initially just a place for the reading. There were not sacrifices, there were not, you know, uh, other things. But this was a place where you would have uh, the, uh, the reading of the Word of God. Uh, most of the time, the Sabbath meal that, that they would have, that would be done at home. That would be done at home. But, uh, um, as things moved on, whatever, but we find that there was a reading of Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, (coughs) Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There was a reading from Moses every Sabbath day. 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul is telling his uh, pastor, Timothy, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Uh, The reading of the scriptures is the job of the pastoral office. This is your job. Now granted it may be that at home you've got your little family and here's that of the household or whoever grabs this, you know uh, uh, if father's not there, mother grabs and says, sit down kids, we're going to have a reading. You're going to read. Here is the family of God. This is the time just like when it comes to preaching, we don't say, well who wants to preach this morning? We also don't kind of go, well, who's going to read? You know, like that's a little thing or unimportant. Um, the, uh, uh, one of my kids, I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Eric or whatever, but, but went to a, a, a church. And, and he said they had, a, uh, they had six <laughs> pastors sitting up front. And when it came time for the reading, uh, you know, a little girl comes up and, and <laughs> does the reading, mangles the pronunciation, and, you know, you can't hear and, and, and what is, you know, what are these guys doing? All these pastors are sitting there. Get off your dog. You got work to do. Um, it's time to do the reading, you know. Um, now, granted, there may be a time the pastor's losing his voice and whatever. And, you know, you've got an exception. And, 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 you know, let's save it so he can preach. Okay, I get it. But but this, this is what is being given to. Uh, Revelation 5. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. The book of Revelation speaks in picture language. And it says, we've got this Holy Scripture. Who's going to open it up? It's got seals on it. It's sealed. And it says that Jesus, the Lamb of the tribe of Judah, the one who is the root, he has come and through his preaching and teaching, he has not only won our salvation, but he has opened up this book. So that now it all makes sense. We, oh, we see things that were before that we didn't quite understand. We knew something was going on here, but we had to wait until he came and he has set it free. And when he has set it free, the Holy Spirit is going to work through those, that pastoral lobby he's going to work through the preaching of the word so that we understand it. Um, and so that's why we have these readings, so that we might hear, that we might learn uh, uh, the word of God. I've been using just a little bit, uh, from Strodock's book called the Manual, uh, a Manual on on Worship. Uh, I've read from it from, uh, from some time. Uh, here. The earliest custom connected with the reading of the lessons of Holy Scripture at Divine Worship, of which there is a definite trace, is the use of two ambons. You can call it an ambo as well. We call it a lectern. Okay, what we mean by this is an elevated desk so that you stand up and you can read from it. All right, so whether it's an ambo, ambon, or a, a, a lectern, that's what we have. We have a, a, an elevated reading. It says it was, there was the use of two of these elevated reading desks, they were located well in front and to the sides of the round ass. Uh, place up there, um, and it was facing toward the people. From each of these, in turn, certain lessons were read uh, by different readers. And so in the synagogues, uh, you had a, uh, uh, an open area, you had a circle, kind of an ass, they would say. There were either two reading desks, or one, normally, at least initially they talk about there being the earliest being, there was two reading desks. You would read Moses from one, you would read from the prophets and something else from, from the other. And then there were was a I'm going to call it a pulpit, a section in the middle. Um, in which there was uh, preaching and, and 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 a sword. So there was this this early custom gave way uh, place to just one uh, lectern, which became pretty well the universal custom of of the church. Um, it was set out and and, and it was there. Uh, There was also, uh, at the same time, some custom in the early church, as we took over this kind of reading that was going on in the synagogues, in which uh, uh, reading the liturgical lessons from the altar. What about this? Well, the divine word, as an announcement and teaching, is first declared all... To all from the place where later the divine word is ministered to each individual as a seal, token, and guarantee. So it's uh, are connecting the word with the altar, the place where Jesus' body and blood is being given out. So what was uh, one of the customs? One of the customs was to have the altar, and you would read the gospel reading, From one side, we called it the horns of the altar, and then you would read, uh, or you would read the epistle reading from one side. Um, You would read the epistle reading from this side, then you would go to this side and you would read the gospel side, um, the gospel reading. These readings then would be connected. The, uh, The church has always tried to illustrate what it believes by the way we do things. And so the idea that there might be that there might be a connection between word and sacrament, word and sacrament. We always say that, right? Word and sacrament. Why? These go together. What the sacraments give out is none other than what the word is. Uh, is it just plain water? No, it's water. It's the word with the word you know is it just red and white? no there's the words of institution so you're always putting those together the church has done that different ways sometimes by the readings by the uh, um there there are some uh liturgical <coughs> architecture in which uh when it's time for the sermon the pastor goes out and, comes and he goes up these stairs and the pulpit is hanging halfway up the wall behind the altar um which you kind of go, ah, oh, word and sign of was kind of good. oh, I see how you're kind of putting those together. Um, it was kind of inconvenient, architecturally wise. There's not many that have to do that, but but that's where where it it, it came about. Um, what about these readings? Initially, from what we can tell, is that the.
0: In here. In here. Oh, um, need
1: um, initially, there was continuous readings. That is, you would come this Sunday, and I would start to read from uh, Moses, from Exodus, and I would read, oh, I don't know, as long as I wanted to read. No, I might read an hour, I might read ten chapters, twenty. Um, I see, well, I guess that's probably good enough. Um, and next time when we come back we'll pick up at Exodus twenty one and I'll start reading. Um, and and that's what they did. It was kind of a continuous set of that. Um, over time and it, and it really started with the um, it started with the main festivals of the church, Christmas. Pentecost, Easter, uh, the church started going, well, hey, you know, we're kind of observing Christmas. We ought to read the Christmas reading then, instead of just whatever we re- continued from last time. And so then the you read Luke 2, or you read, and as that went, it started having certain parts. There wasn't a book, you just marked it in the book, Right? And you mark, here's where you start, and here's where you stop. And the book had it marked, and that's how it kind of started. As things moved on, the church, as it started to do, would take these copes, is what it was in Latin, from which we get the word pericopes, pericopes, snatches these parts out and put it in a book so that it would become a little bit easier to find and a little bit easier for the pastor to read and then they grabbed an epistle reading that went with the gospel and they put those together. And so that's the way uh, it kind of went. Uh, the earliest service books merely contained an indication of the lessons. They would give you a catchword or phrase where it began later an indication of the beginning. Uh, this is actually where you have the Beginning of the chapters and the verses that we have in our in our scriptures, it came from the liturgical lessons. Note the book of the liturgical gospels very anciently were called the textus. Oftentimes, it was not only richly, beautifully illuminated—that is, with the picture at the beginning or with the first letter. Uh, but it was most wonderfully bound with precious metals and precious stones being used for the embellishment of the binding. The finest and most valuable form was none too good for the precious word. At times, these books would rest upon the altar at celebrations. In some other cases, they would be (coughs) carried to the altar in procession, attended with every mark of honor and reverence. It's very easy to find the natural genesis of many of the existing ceremonies of the church when one views the deep expressions of spiritual life, as for example here, and at the rising of the reading of the gospel. So, what do you think? Should we have a book that's a little bit fancier than any of the other books? Hey, we do. And when we go to get the book, you don't go and grab the book and go... (laughs) You know, uh, uh, we have the acolyte holder. We have le- we're, we're, we're treating this word of God as from which our faith and everything comes. So you can see how this uh, uh, this treating of the word, and in particular, as we go through, we're going to be talking about already early, early on apostolic constitution, probably second century. There already was rising, standing up. Um, you, you didn't have pews, you didn't have whatever. You had an open area, they sat on the floor. But when it was time for.
0: Gospel readings, yeah.
1: The sermon?
0: No. no. <laughs> Old Testament? No. Epistle? Nope. The gospel no. gospel When it's
1: the gospel, whoa. You know, there's a procession, there is attention. there is standing up uh, uh, for this, there is rising, there is going to be things that we say before and after it. E- everything points to the most important part of the service of word, the gospel. is the gospel. Next time we'll tell even more why that is the highlight and why it is so important and why the church, even to this day, draws everything to that gospel. Um, Pastor, you're second. Gospel comes first. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have generously given us your word. Direct our hearts and minds that we might meditate upon this word, that we might squeeze every drop of, of meaning uh, that you have placed there for us. Not only uh, the showing of our sins, but particularly the hope, the comfort of our Savior Jesus Christ, who had compassion on us. In his name we pray. Amen.